Blog Talk Radio. Born by then, 
five and a half percent of the entire Bartlett's was by women. Wow. And, and now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that the ratio of male to female in this world is about 50-50? Oh, yeah. Women are I mean, I more women than men. Nope. And <laughs> here's the thing. And when I started collecting quotes, um, one fellow actually said to me, so are these like the quotes that aren't good enough to get in the regular books? And, oh, you know, my gosh. Yes, it was wonderful. And then what I really liked, I used to live in Minnesota then, and a man from Fridley wrote to me and said, my dear esteemed Ms. Maggio, and, you oh. know, we all know that's trouble already, and he said <laughs> the reason women were never quoted was because they never said anything worth quoting. <gasps> Did you frame and that? I hope you framed that. Isn't it marvelous? And the thing is, it was just the opposite. They were never – they they were never quoted so we think they never said anything worth quoting they actually said and f- just brilliant things funny things profound things short succinct things they were fabulous but because they were never quoted what was the poor fellow from fridley to think i guess they never said anything now yeah. when they quoted him for well they never drew anything they never wrote anything they, you that's know, I mean, right yeah, they of course just uh, yeah, they. Yeah. Uh, well, I used to talk about language and um, biased language, and I was talking to a high school group of sophomores, and their book was called The History of Mankind. And I said, why do you think your book is called that? And they said, well, one kid actually said this. He said, well, women, they didn't do anything. They didn't make anything. They didn't contribute. <sighs> women were basically dogs. That's why my book doesn't say anything. No, you think that because your book says it's about mankind and they don't include women. So we've been dealing with this. And I think as women, we need to, um, we're on a continuum. Some things are getting better. Some things are uh, not much better. And we just, we hang in there, women. We we are, we stay the course. We are going to be there still a long time from now. But the women's quotations, the compilers would quote them. For example, in the 1992 Bartlett's, uh, the women that were represented, that 5.5%, it was things like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and Mary <laughs> had a little lamb. Yeah, yeah, and happy birthday to you. So this is great. It's nice to know that women did these things that are still with us. On the other hand, it gives it reinforces the idea that, oh, that's what women do, um, you know, lambs and stars, and, and it's cute, it's sweet, and let's not. Childlike. Now, what they would do is they would quote women on prayer, for example, but not on theology. Or they love to quote us on service to others, but not on leadership. I did a book on leadership for women called uh, An Impulse to Soar, and I wanted to have all quotations by women. So it could be for, and the publisher said, well, but they haven't said any. I mean, you, you're not going to have enough material. You won't find enough on women. Because, well, and here's the fact, women didn't come to leadership until, um, well, in our, you know, we can count the years, and so they hadn't had time to come to leadership, be expert, and write books on leadership, and blah blah blah. We have now, obviously, we're we're very very rich with it now. But at the time, no. So that was. But I, I did get the book out, and it was full of women's quotes on leadership. And they were very good. Now they would quote us on thrift, for example, but not on economics, on quarrels, but not on war. 
And women have said some the best things ever on war, as you can imagine. They would quote us on shopping, let's say, but not on marketing or sales, that kind of So we had a little place, a little corner with the lambs and the stars and the shopping and the whatnot for the few quotes that appeared. And the other thing that bugged me is they'd have, let's say, a book of They'd have a quote by George Eliot, let's say, and they'd have one or two quotes, and I can just see someone saying, there, yeah, we got George, we got this woman now, we got a woman there. George Eliot is my Shakespeare. The woman has so many incredible quotes, you wouldn't believe it, but nobody looked further than the first one or two that they could find. So we know the story. I mean, I'm just putting it in the context of quotations. Now, I, I wanted to start the show, so I'm going to back up with a quote about women's voices, because you were calling the show Women's Voices today and women talking. And a woman uh, wrote, and a woman who was the daughter of a slave woman, and her father was the white slaveholder, Anna Julia Cooper. She's one of my favorite women. She wrote a book called A Voice from the South in the 1800s. And she said way back then, and this has been central to me for my work, she said, "'Tis a tis woman's strongest vindication for speaking that the world needs to hear her voice." And I'll just break for a minute to say that I, I think we women forget, oh, I don't have anything to say. You know us, it's too often, too many of us are, oh, it's, it's fine, I don't, yeah, whatever. No, they, our voices need to be heard because no one can say our words but you, me, the next woman. She continues, it would be subversive of every human interest that the cry of one half the human family be stifled. The world has had to limp along with the wobbling gait and the one-sided hesitancy of a man with one eye. Suddenly, the bandage is removed from the other eye, and the whole body is filled with light. It sees a circle where before it saw a segment. The darkened eye restored. Every member rejoices with it. She was brilliant. She was just brilliant. And it's powerful when you think of that darkened eye and how for in every endeavor, only half the world was rep- We were working with a darkened eye that saw only one half of the story. And in, and I, they've done so much research showing that the surest way to get a country out of poverty is to educate the girls and women, that educated women are the key to gross national product to countries progressing and i'm not going to go into here because that's not my topic or my area but um it's true women are key and girls are key to getting them educated anyway that's anna julia cooper and i hope she's new to a lot of people i just one of the most fun things about this is introducing women that nobody's ever heard of and the thing is in the quotation books often seriously in bartlett's they'd have something was said by mark twain's mother uh, Maurice's <laughs> wife, Goethe's mother, or Frank Lloyd's wife, Wright's mother, you know, and then it'd be about the manly relative. That's where women were used. They were um, pretty much side things. Um, I'm working on a biography support, now. The, the man support. That, yeah, that, I mean, I, I see what you say. That we'll we'll use them to support and support. prop up really important. You know what somebody yeah. uh, actually said that the fellow who who founded the Olympics would not have 
any people of color or any women in it. He said, oh, that would be just awful. He said, that would be just, uh, you can't imagine it. No, he said, the true athlete is the white male. And he said, women are to crown the victors. That is their place. He actually well, said and that. To cl- and, to clean their, and to clean their houses. <laughs> oh, it was, well, and we we know where we've come, but quotes show, and another thing I like about quotes is if you look, oh, by the way, my website, I'm going to say the uh, URL, hope that people can remember, but it's www, of course, but anyway, it's quotations by women, all one word, quotationsbywomen.com. And if you look through the list of the names of the women, you will you will uh, you will recognize some, but you will be astonished that about 80% of them are names you've never seen before, and yet these women said delightful things. Um, well, my favorite category, because that's because I'm an idiot probably, but excuse me for saying that about myself, but is humor, because there's too many days that I just need a good laugh, and women have been, and of course that's one of the things that was tossed at us a few decades ago, women are not funny. And that was usually because we weren't laughing at some guy's joke, but whatever, usually. But anyway, that's over now, and women are funny. We've known, you know, we have the great comedians. But um, I'm just looking at one here. Uh, Betsy Salkin, who's a uh, contemporary humor, said, when I tell people I'm a comedian, they say, oh, are you funny? I say, no, it's not that. <laughs> I no, I I'm say, one of those unfunny comedians. Yeah, yes. just, no, I say, it's not that kind of comedy. Yeah. So, you know, people just, or Miss Manners even, who's so straight. She says, I have always believed that the key to a happy marriage was the ability to say with a straight face, why, I don't know what you're worrying about. I thought you were very funny last night, and I'm sure everybody else did too. But <laughs> And then the, you go from that to um, the very serious things as sections on abuse, on violence, on war, on... Just any top, there are about 7,000 topics. And so anything you want to hear a woman talk about smoking or coffee or camels, you just can find it. And every time when I was preparing for this to talk to you today, I, I'd get just waylaid by one great quote after another. And I couldn't even focus, talk about the ADD. You know, I just was all over the place because every time you see one, there's one right next to it that's even better. And so. In fact, I'll just tell you one of my favorites, because I was from Minnesota. Uh, Hubert Humphrey uh-huh. was our vice president one time, and he used to give speeches. And his wife, Muriel, and see, a lot of people don't know Muriel's first name because it was always about HHH, Hubert H. Humphrey. Yeah. And she told him one time, Hubert, a speech does not need to be eternal to be immortal. <laughs> very long-winded. <laughs> and one of my favorites topics is um oh criticisms oh women were so good at criticizing in the most clever clever way there's just some priceless things there but um it's or molly i you know you think of all these people what i liked about gathering women's quotes was my okay nobody had done when i wrote a uh, reference book years ago i had some humor in it and it was and they said well this is not reference books don't do that and i say well mine does when women came along, we were doing things that hadn't been done before. Women's quotations hadn't been done before. That gave me a lot of freedom. If there, if nobody's done it before, I said, well, that's, that's the way I'm doing it. So it's non-hierarchical. Um, it wasn't just Virginia Woolf. She's wonderful, and obviously we all love her. And it wasn't just 
uh, Zora Neale Hurston, who's gotten well enough known now, though she wasn't for years. But it wasn't just those standout names. There were people that you've never heard of. It was writers of children's books. They had some marvelous things. Mysteries. I mean, we look down on mysteries, and yet mystery writers occasionally come up with a, a line that gets repeated. And, you know, it's very good. Science. Science is, you know, there's some quotable things there. Anyway, so it was non-hierarchical, non... You, a lot of the so-called anonymous that you put in your um, announcement about the show, anonymous was a woman. Yeah, a lot of them were women, and we've tracked it down. And another thing that was fun was to separate get those quotes back that had been attributed to men that women actually said first or yeah. identify those quotes that had been anonymous or it was just a you know clean up job kind of thing um one of the, one of the um examples that I like is in in Bartlett I say Bartlett's because everyone thinks Bartlett's is it uh, no it's not but in the 14th of edition of Bartlett's Charles Dickens is credited with the expression, before a man can say Jack Robinson. Well, now, never mind that we don't use it much anymore, although I I will occasionally. But a footnote to that line says that as soon as, say, Jack Robinson appeared in Fanny Burney's book, and before you could say Jack Robinson appeared in Maria Edgeworth's book, so, and in fact, um, before you can say Jack Robinson is usually the familiar expression. So here they give it to Dickens, and in the footnote, they credit two earlier works. So they said it first. And by the way, both of those women were quite prolific. Um, Edgeworth wrote the first true historical novel in English, and so on. And now, in the last edition, the most recent edition of Bartlett's, that little footnote isn't even there. So you just go from footnote to oblivion if you're a woman. Anyway, it's it's only one example, and it's kind of, but I got a kick out of it because, whoa. Let's give it to Maria or Fanny since they said it first, you know. But no, Charles Dickinson is bigger and mailer and so on and so forth. Anyway, so that's the kind of fun that I'd have is, you know, finding things like that and so do you know, uh, Rosalie, that I have a few quotes on my desk. My desk is a mess. I, I, I subscribe to the theory that a clean, a clean desk is a sign of an empty mind. Um, but I find quotes that I like, and I stick them onto my desk, which plays havoc with the finish on my desk, so that doesn't look good anymore. But I don't care because I get to see my, 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 my quotes. And one of those quotes, of course, is from a man. It's Robert Frost. The afternoon knows what the morning never suspected. I love that. Oh. But another one of my favorites is from Mary Case. I have not a clue who Mary Case was. And she said, no pressure, no diamonds. Wow. You know what? I don't have her, so I'm writing her down, and I'm going to go look that up. Pressure and diamonds. Okay. Thank you yep, very much. No pressure, you know no what? diamonds. So when things get People. tough, just remember, you know, no pre- you don't yep. have that pressure. You don't get the diamonds. Um, you know, um, that is, people can send me stuff, and people have been, and I really love them for that. They'll say, have you got this quote, or have you seen this, or this woman, or, um, you know, it's it's wonderful. And the, yeah. the thing is, what will be interesting, that may or may not get in because um, of the fact that where is the good, there's somebody that said it the best a long time ago, um, Diamonds are only chunks of coal that stuck to their jobs, you see. 
um, pressure, but there's another one. But I'm going to look up Mary Kay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. If I you will. find out who she is, I'd love to know. Yeah, um, no. Because to I'll me, think. that's clever. It's so succinct. I mean, I've heard the one so before about Cole sticking to his job, but yeah. that's not succinct. You know, no, no pressure right. for diamonds. That's not at all. And, yes. and you can remember it. <laughs> hey, that is just, no, that's brilliant. The shortest, it's true. Succinct is finding quotes, or, you know, sometimes they're too long. That's brilliant. Okay, Mary Case, I'm, I'm on her. Um, the and it's shortest? Just like it sounds, C-A-S-E. So you okay. find out who she is, I'd love to know, because I look at her well. quote frequently and try to learn from it. And, you know, I just also wrote down another quote that I'm going to type up and put on my desk, and it's from a woman named Rosalie Maggio. She just said, from footnote to oblivion. Oh, funny. Oh, funny, yeah. You know, the one of the shortest ones that I just love, and many people disagree, but it's something that's close to my heart, the question of nature and nurture of our genetics, how much are we hardwired, um, because I came from a family of eight children, and I can see in the eight of us as adults these patterns and so on, and then I see in, you know, never mind. George Eliot said in the 1800s, breed is stronger than pasture. And I find that just brilliant in its execution. Now, whether it's absolutely true or not is another whole story. But you Say it can't again. I'm not sure I understood. Breed is stronger than pasture. So whether the cows are oh, the north pasture okay. or the right. south pasture, they're still going to be Guernseys or, and Jerseys yep. or whatevers. Yep, yep. But and the pasture is great, and you can have green grass, and there'll be healthier cows. You can not feed them water, and they can be sick cows, but they're going to be the same breed of cow. So breed is stronger than pasture. Five little words, and she summed up this huge argument about nature and nurture. So anyway, never mind. I'm just saying these are the kinds of gems that women – and by the way, one of my favorite quotes, because I've used it a lot in, in talks and stuff, is the next best thing to being clever is being able to quote someone who is. Oh. <laughs> yes, and that's why I like quotes. I can never say it as well as they can. I I have too many words. I have a lot of thoughts, but I really like, you know, being able to quote somebody. Unfortunately, I can't remember them, which is why I started collecting them. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to. And one of my favorites, too, is it's, it, uh, simple, but happiness is nothing but everyday living seen through a veil. And that's Zora uh-huh. Neale Hurston. Happiness is nothing. She was so quotable. And, oh, Rita Mae Brown, who's so funny, for you to be successful, sacrifices must be made. It's better that they are made by others, but failing that, you'll have to make them yourself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah, and then it's better if the other those other folks make them. Yeah, that's much better. Exactly. Yeah, that's a lot better if you can get it. If you can work that, success and failure are bothly greatly overrated. But failure gives you a whole lot more to talk about. If you've ever Ooh. noticed. Well, yeah. I like that one. I like that one. I um, are all of these? In, yeah, I, I didn't mention. I, I failed to mention yeah. at the beginning of the the show how many books you've written. I, are all of these in your books? Well, the website I went to the website because my last book had sixteen thousand quotations, and it was you know doorstop size. Yeah. And so, and the other thing is, I do think today people are going online for their answers to reference works 
um, and you can see it by the number of quotation sites online. I don't think people, I have in my office here um, about 300 collections of quotations because that's what I do. I don't go over there and look for things, let me tell you. I go to the computer. So that's why I did my website. And by the way, I'm not, I, I have to be real clear. I don't make anything. There are no ads. It's an ad free website, and I make nothing from it. It has cost me, in fact, a small fortune. I wanted to do that because you identify your priorities. My goal is to get women's words out there. I didn't want anything to stop people from seeing these women's words. I didn't want ads to interrupt them. I didn't want money to you know, be between us, anything. And that's really all I care about. And people are free to use anything, you know. But I have 43,000 quotes there. A book won't hold those. And besides, nobody's buying those kind of books anymore, I don't believe. And this isn't about selling. I want women's words out there. And if people aren't going to buy the book, they're not going to see the words. So yeah. these, I've written about 20 books. but And, yes, some of these are in there. But, like I say, the last huge book by Beacon Press was 16,000. And now online you can get 43,000 quotes. So, wow. And you can get them. It's so much easier because every t- all I have to do is type in a topic. If you're writing a paper on something or doing homework or – or you know what I really want people to use, especially women, is epigraphs in their chapters for their books because so many books written by women start each chapter with a quote from a man. And that's yeah. good. My eventual goal, I'm from a family okay, of eight, I told you that, and boys and girls, there were six boys and two girls, and we were raised very equally because then you have that many kids. Everybody has to do the dishes. Everybody has to muck out the barn. Everybody has to pick raspberries. You know, there were no boys and girls in that family. And so I've always had an outsized sense of fairness. And, you know, when you're cutting a cake in eight pieces, oh, get out your rulers <laughs> and stuff. So I eventually wanted to go to a place where half of all the quotes I saw would be by women and half of all of them would be by men. That was my ultimate goal. But in order to do that, I had to get out a lot of women's quotations so that people would have a good choice when they went to look for a quote so that – they could choose a very, very good quote that just happened to be by a woman. Um, before, you didn't have access to so many of them. So that's one of my books that I had. Um, oh, I forget what it's called. Anyway, I did have half the quotes by men and half by women. But I will tell you and your select audience that there are just a few more quotes in there by women. Uh, it's my private joke with myself, and uh, that was very fun. <laughs> Because we don't get to usually, and I figured, well, if someone's going to count it, fine. But anyway, so I just added a few more by women so we could, for once, um, you know. But anyway, that's what I just want people to use. And one of my favorite quotes is by a man. But I grew up in an era where everything I read was by, I was a philosophy minor, and all the philosophers were men. Everything was, so I'm really well educated, educated on men. And I wanted to be on women. And But anyway, um, my favorite quote by a man is by Thucydides. And there may be some dispute about how exactly this is worded. But they did say to him, Thucydides, when will justice come to Athens? And he said, justice will not come to Athens, Athens until those who are not injured are as indignant as those who are. Ooh. And that's my core belief. I may not be injured like X, Y, or Z or somebody else, but I must be as indignant as they are, and I must work for that. Because usually the people who are injured aren't quite as capable of getting out there and changing things. 
Anyway, don't you love Yes, until those who are not injured are as indignant as those who are. And I think in your work also you see that. We can't just look for the people in the midst of trouble to handle things. Other people, outsiders who are not injured, they got to mix in. So I, when when you are looking for quotes, do you just stumble upon them or do you actively seek out quotes on certain topics? What I did, I, my little procedure was bizarre. I first went through every quotation book in existence because I wanted to know which women were quoted and how. So I have a record of every woman's quote that's appeared. That was not that many, and they tended to be the same quotes over and over and over again, and so that helped. Then I went reading, and I've read maybe 20,000 books since I started this but by women, and I look for and you say, well, that's not a quote. But you have to start somewhere. So I would pick out words that looked like axioms or were well stated or had a topic. It wasn't just beautiful writing. And I did look at some, and then I, all the women that I, okay, one book would lead to another. Some old woman I'd be reading from the 20s, let's say, would talk about some friend of hers who wrote a book. Well, I go look up that book. So it was kind of random. But in my random fashion, I think I covered just about everything. I really wanted it to be worldwide, and I wanted it to be heterogeneous. And so I, I had to go looking specifically for women from other countries and women from groups that had been ignored and not quoted. So I'd go look for their books, and I'd just read hundreds of books and look for a few lines. that. And my, I think I was looking for things that, like, could someone use this at the head of their chapter or to give a speech or to tell, you know, to write a letter. I, I was looking for usefulness. Some of the quotations in Bartlett's, they're those old, long, long-worded things that go on and on. And I, did, I, I feel like those aren't really useful. It's, they're historical. It's good to have a record of them. But I don't think anyone's going to pick up some of those, you know, paragraph-long dissertations in there. And so I was looking for useful things, people that would say, oh, I'm going to use this at my, you know, whatever. So, yes, I did just read, and it was, and I looked for all kinds of lists. Every time I saw a list of uh, women's books or of favorite books or anything, um, I would copy down the titles and I'd go get them. I had, my daughter was at the University of Minnesota. She'd bring me about four garbage bags, those big brown bags that we used to have. Uh, from the library every Saturday, I'd give her a list of what to look up, and you know she'd bring them. And... <laughs> so it was kind of random, but I think I got around. And then people are good; people send me things, um, and I try to cover contemporary women too. My goal is to not. Okay, when women died, the thing is they got forgotten. We know that. Yeah. There were women artists, women writers, et cetera. They got forgot. I wanted to have a record, this record online now. Nobody can do away with that. It's it's electronic. It's digital. It's it's in the cloud, you know. These words yeah. are not going to get lost in when libraries can't keep old books anymore and they're kind of, you know, triaging and so on. And I wanted a place, I wanted it to be a, a gift of permanence for these women's voices. Because these things that they've said, I mean, the few I've read, well, you know, it's just, hey, by the way, here's one that you can take it for political or not, but Margaret Walker is a marvelous poet, wrote a book, Jubilee. She says, now when you hates, you shrinks up inside and gets littler and you 
squeezes your heart tight, and you stay so mad with people, you feel sick all the time, like you needs the doctor. Ooh. That's on hate. Isn't that great? Yeah. That is great. And, who, and how yeah, descriptive. It, <laughs> how descriptive. And, you know, and by the way, the dialect, I used anything that people, that was the other thing. I wasn't, I don't correct people's things or I don't try to make them sound nicer. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's authentic. Um, and then, well, I just happen to see this underneath, uh, but Fran Leibowitz, who is so very funny, she says, spilling your guts is just exactly as charming as it sounds. <laughs> that always reminds me to shut up when I feel yes, like, yes. you know, venting. I like that. And then Zora Neale Hurston, um, I mentioned before that, she described, she was a folklorist. She had a degree in sociology, and she went around the south um, east of the country collecting folklore. And she, and she says that folklore is like the boiled-down juice or pot liquor of human living. And I seized on this because I think quotations are also the pot liquor of human living. Uh, when people, all of us are thinking about life, we're, we're all looking for, you know, we're trying to find meaning, we're trying to create meaning. That's our job. And so you see these quotes, and they trigger other thoughts. Um, I I think that, and when I'm working on a topic, I out of subject to write or something, I like to be just inspired. I read a lot of quotes, and I don't use them, but they trigger other thoughts and associated thoughts. And there used to be something called a, a idea fisher, where when you wanted ideas, you could fish in this um, program that would trigger many associated ideas and stuff so that you could come up with, let's say, a good advertising slogan. I do not believe in advertising, by the way, but never mind. I want to see it all <laughs> gone. I'm just, that's just for free, um, Heather. You don't have to. Anyway, okay. but um, so what, it, but idea fisher, that's what this, these collection of quotations are like for me. An idea fisher, what do people think about the sky? What do people think about, oh, I have great sections on poets and poetry, writing, writers, I have a section on men, I have a section on husbands, one on wives, one on husbands and wives, so that all the people that spoke about husbands and wives together, all, all the people who just want to talk about husbands or just want to talk about wives, I also was able to have little categories like, um, you said what? Because some people, <laughs> I'll just mention Camille Paglia uh, for a moment, but say things that are just absurd and you know, like how women should get into rape and really love it. I'm sorry to even say that. Oh, I erased that. That She says that, so I have it in a category. People need to know that there's fools out there saying stuff like that. So I have it in a category. Um, I think I call it hello or you said what. or Anyway, I'm just saying. I have another category called two kinds of people because dozens and dozens of women started a sentence like this. There are two kinds of people. The kind who lean and the kind who, you know, whatever. Anyway, it, it's 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 fabulous to be able to do this. Now, normal quote books don't do that, so I get to do it because I nobody's done this and I don't care. And yeah. you know, this website is free. I love being that, having that kind of freedom to be a woman doing something um, that that we haven't done before, kind of. And so you can do that. But two kinds well, of now, Mosley, I'm going to interrupt you a little bit because I want to toss out our phone number again. I hope somebody oh. out there has some questions, more questions than I can think of, to ask Rosalie. We have an expert on women's quotes. The number is 
So, Rosalie, just so that we can, you know, back up a little bit, you are noticing that there are more people using women's quotes now? uh, Yes. And, oh, Heather, it's the greatest joy. It's a very private joy because nobody really knows what I'm doing, and I don't, you know, yeah. (laughs) We know what you're doing. Well, yeah, but (laughs) I see quotes. I was just thinking of one. When I lived in Minneapolis, there was a little publication. It was about maybe eight pages from The Loft, which is a literary center, and a woman named Mary Hirsch had a little sentence in there about how humor is like a rubber sword. You can make a point without drawing blood. And I found that quotation just fantastic. Well, I put it in my first book and my second book, and you know what? Now I see it everywhere. And and believe me, nobody would have seen it was in a little publication that just came to a few writers in the Twin Cities. I'm not saying nobody else might not have picked it up eventually or whatever. I'm just saying, and I'm not even bragging, I'm just showing you the delight. Well, go ahead to and brag. See. It's fine. Well, but that was, <laughs> but, but Heather, that was so cool because that is a, it's a delicious. I think it even got in the Reader's Digest um, with their quotable quotes. And but that's a, it's a marvelous thing. And, and who is Mary Hirsch? I to this day I don't even know. I've never spoken to her. I'm not r- real sure anything. But her words go around the world. I mean, so that's just. So yes, I do see and I know very well which words when I see them quoted are mine because I would have found them in some old book, and they don't appear in other books or collections, and so I know that that, and I just say, yes, out there, get out there, you words, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much fun to see that, and women are getting quoted more nowadays, and of course, we're trying to get women as experts on talk shows, and my son-in-law is a broadcast journalist, and he really works to get, because there are top women who are experts, and you have to kind of sometimes dig a little farther than the first layer to find them. Oh, yes. And yes, it has nothing absolutely. to do with their worth. It has to do with a lot of other things. But Jason will go and get them. And it's just a joy to me. And he works really hard on, you know, equality in Silicon Valley, uh, what's happening there with women and men and pay and, and power and, you know, accomplishment and so on. Anyway, I'm saying you have to kind of work at, at at digging out these things. You can't wait for quotes to come to you, and you can't wait for them to come from, let's say, black women or American Indian women or uh, Korean women. You have to go look for them because... Um, well, and you have to have you know. them at the ready. I mean, you you can't just say, oh, I need to have a quote from an Asian woman and then Google yeah. it. You need to have something that means yeah. something. Yeah, um, and no, it, it has to be good, and I only keep the good. I don't keep quotes just because somebody said it, but yeah, if it's good, and I like that. And I'm I'm thinking of my daughter who's called and said, "Look, if you have any uh, bright applicants for our company who are black, please send them through me because then I can see that they get a good um, review and a good, you know, they really get looked at here." But you have to make those phone calls. I'm I'm into saying the world's not going to change unless those who aren't injured are going to pick up the phone and look for the people that have been ignored and the people who are hurting, and because they aren't always right in our sight. Anyway, oh, back to no, just before I finish. 
Although yeah. I have to correct you a little bit, Rosalie. I think in this day and age, picking up the phone is the curse of death. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. good luck finding somebody to answer your phone call. <laughs> there, yes. No, you have to. You have to. Like I say, you have to work at it. If it were easy, it'd be. You know, we'd all be. Do- yeah. Well, if it were easy, everybody'd be doing it. Just <laughs> because I'm sort of compulsive. Uh, I I was okay. talking about well, two Rosalie, kinds of people. Well, that's- oh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about some specific quotes. I want you you have this wealth of information and I want you to be able to share some of these women's voices with us. Um what about you know, I mean, we just went through a, 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 a we are still going through a, a rather uh, uh tumultuous political uh scenario in this country. Do you have any quotes from women about politics or elections or um, oh, uh, making political choices? Certainly do I certainly do. Let's do elections first because that's done. But I do I have one that I like a lot. Um and uh, just one second, it's about the fuck so Oh well I had some votes about voting because Ellen Goodman said I vote because even the lesser of two evils is the lesser of two evils. And I oh, think in yeah. this last election that was particularly important, people complaining about this one and that one. And you need to vote, I think. Um, there's Carrie Chapman Catt in 1920 who worked for suffrage, said the vote is a power, a weapon of offense, and defense, a prayer. And Gloria Steinem like said the that. same. Yeah, it's good. Voting isn't the most we can do, but it is the least. And then my good old George Eliot said, an election is coming. Universal peace is declared, and the foxes have a sincere interest in prolonging the lives of the poultry. (laughs) I love the poultry, yes, and the fox. Yeah. And then, uh, that's a good one. That's a good you one. Know, one that and I, it's a sincere. Yeah. sincere yeah, the fox. Yes. Oh yeah, the poultry. We love poultry. <laughs> we do until the election's yeah. over anyway. Trump. Yeah. And then um Simone de Beauvoir once said that and this I didn't I never posted this because it requires too much thought, but I think she says the ballot box is a most inadequate mechanism of change. And I think about that sometimes. In our case, the Electoral College has made it even more inadequate, but I think about what that can possibly mean. That's why, I mean, quotes I put are usually provocative. It makes you go someplace with them. Um, And anyway, and then somebody in London, that's why they talk about five years, but she says, it's called Halloween when you put on a false face, knock on doors, and trick people. But once every five years, it's called General Election Day. (laughs) <laughs> so that's from England. And, but on politics, women have been so good on uh, politics, and I, I just share a couple of them with you. And politicians, well, my, that gets a little personal. I, I have, so I have two categories, politics and then politicians, in case you want to narrow it down you know, a little more. Okay. But, well, um, well, let's stick with the, the generic, the poli- politics. Yes. Um, it's... Well, here's a great one. This is from a Carol Mosley Brown speech in 2003, and she said, it's time to take the men-only sign off the White House door. Ooh, there we How go. About that? And that was, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, years ago? 15 years, yes, yeah. 13 years ago, exactly, yes. Wow. Um, and then politics, yeah, I wonder, politics is the process of getting along with the querulous, the garrulous, and the congenitally unlovable. 
Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. Again, you have to think about it. But this one I did, like Mother Jones said, politics is only the servant of industry. And I'm Ooh. a believer. Yeah. And she said that, That's interesting. 1925, Sinclair Oil, all that stuff. And then um, I, I did. I like this one. As a distinguished politician once said, when you plan to drain a marsh, you don't tell the frogs. <laughs> I like that one. Isn't well, let's that go good? to something a little bit lighter. Um, okay, can I do just one more, though? Just one oh, sure, more. Sure. I just found Gracie Hansen was running for governor of um, where was it? I forget. Anyway, her bumper sticker said Gracie Hansen for governor, the best governor money can buy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now let's go to something else. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I, see, that's what I mean. I get involved in this and I can't stop. So. <laughs> okay. So let's go to quotes about. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of a topic that, I mean, normally, historically, if we're looking for something on child-rearing or family relationships, we go to women. But are there any kind of amusing quotes about uh, either of those two topics, you know, family, child-rearing? children? Well, children, sure. I have some. Sure. And, and they are amusing because that's what women do. Instead of getting hysterical and, you know, throwing themselves out the second floor window, they say something funny about uh, children. Childbirth, me, I start with childbirth because there are a couple there sure. that, are, that are really good. Um, uh, <laughs> like this one, childbirth is something worth remembering because when you forget, you get pregnant again. You know, I mean, having raised children, both of us, uh, you know, when you have that that first baby and at about eight months, that's when they're like sleeping through the night and they respond to you and they coo and they smile and you think, oh, my gosh, I could have a million of these. And then you go ahead and do it, and at a year and a half, when it's too late for you to to do anything about it, that's when they get all nasty and cranky and... (laughs) And you yeah, think, yeah. what the heck no, the did I do after the second one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still want, I'm a grandmother now, and after the last, the grandchild was here for a week, I called my husband and said, let's not have any more kids, okay? And he agreed. <laughs> so, cause, so we're done. And, and well, I met it, a wonderful uh, woman not too long ago who was in her 70s, and she, I mean, oh, an amazing a woman, you know. I mean, I, I should have had that much energy when I was in my 30s, you know, and very attractive, and, you know, and I was, speaking with her and I said well are you married and she said oh, I was once but she said now I just I'm in a I have a significant other and I said oh do you have any interest in remarriage and she said well I'll tell you what I tell everyone else if he and I decide to have children we'll get married <laughs> good, good one that had to do it that about pushing to shotgun oh my well Joan <laughs> Rivers said she's still on the pill because she doesn't want any more grandchildren <laughs> she was the one who also said that right in the midst of the what I always call the perfect size eight delivery, where you were supposed to just exercise and eat right and puff puff and push out the baby and then go you know cook a dinner for eight and it was supposed to be fine. Uh, uh, she also you know without any anesthesia or anything, she said something to the effect of you know that, that you know give me the anesthesia you know I mean give me the anesthesia when I walk into the hospital and wake me up when the hairdresser arrives. Absolutely. Well, she's not crazy. It's it's yes. It's she's also the one that said that that when she was giving birth, she screamed like a maniac, and then she added, and that was just during conception. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then, well, in, in line with that, that Carol Christensen that I put earlier said that epidural was better than the sex that got me there. <laughs> no, women are delightful. Um, they're just, they say it, and, you know, I don't, well, anyway. Women can see humor in blackness. Yeah. And then the woman, you oh, know, Alice I, Roosevelt. I, I, oh, pardon me. No, go ahead. No. Oh, I'm so awful. I'm sorry, but you don't want to really. You don't want to be in a desert island with me and my quotes. See, but uh, Alice <laughs> Roosevelt Longworth, who was very uh, distinguished and quite sarcastic, said, "Having a baby is like trying to push a grand piano through a transom." Oh wow! Yeah, that I was like my that. favorite one. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah I heard I something did. similar to that, but I can't attribute it. Something about putting a watermelon through a. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, yes, but I, I think there's. There's been well, a few of good. those. Women are, are good at, yeah. Um, yeah. And then Joan Rivers, did the name of the book that that was from was Having a Baby Can Be a Scream. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that's the one that George said. Yeah. But let's look at children because people, <laughs> women, and they also have parenthood so that you can look at it from the side of the parents or the side of the children. And so in, in children, it's about the children and parents. Is, ah, and, yeah, so, and then there's babies, because the reason I broke it down is that you don't want to have to look through too many quotes before you find the one that, you know, rings your bell, so. Sure, um, sure. But anyway, but, but babies, uh, oh, dear me, oh, yeah, the classic one, baby, an elementary canal with a loud voice at one end and no responsibility at the other. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very good. Um, sometimes her husband and I, she said, sometimes we think a ménage à trois would be easier than an old marriage and a new baby. Um, ah. So that's not too funny, but it's, it makes you think because really, marriage, babies, oh my gosh, it's you know, yeah. it's too much. Um, babies change everything, don't they? Just I, I, I don't know. If people are prepared. No, uh-uh. I mean, and, and what I found, you know, in my vast life experiences is that you can think you know this person. You can think that you are well-established in your relationship and that the the path is set for you for the future. But then you bring in a baby and the game changes completely. Um, it, it's it's a total game changer having a baby. Um, and we all do it anyway, don't we? We do. Well, they are irresistible, I must say. You know, Marceline Cox was a woman who wrote for um, Better Homes, or no, Ladies Home Journal. And she wrote for years and years, and she was clever. And I'm just sorry people today don't have her. She had the little one-liners on being a mom and raising kids and just life. You know, it's nothing very profound. And yet she hit the nail on the head more times than not. And I just think it would have been so fun to get my Ladies Home Journal in 1942. And um, I, uh, well, this one I only kind of got the other day. She said, it is possible to be so busy going on or off a diet that there isn't time left to enjoy life. Once people ate everything set before them and had the courage to digest it too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, do you, do you remember good. Irma Bombeck? Oh well, I have all Irma's things. Yes, I was, loved. That I woman. adored that I just, woman. I worshipped her. Yeah. Well, you it know, me. So we were talking clever. before the show about I grew up in Ohio, and she was an Ohio woman. Yes. And the oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, a wonderful absolutely. woman. T- 
talking about women's experiences, women's life, and uh, I remember, and she was serious sometimes too. I remember reading one piece that she did when uh, describing applying for a job after having spent years as a mother and housewife, and how she sat across a desk from a, somebody who was her children's age, her son's age, and he asked her what that and because she had no job listed on her resume he said well you don't have any experience what experience do you have and then she went on in in her essay about i wiped your nose i you know i i kissed your boo boos i did this i organized that i built you know and she she i mean it was a very serious essay but it was an extremely poignant one uh, about uh, pointing out how yeah. this young Very man was discrediting yeah. all of her life experience because it didn't come in the form of a paid job. Um, she was just an amazing writer. Um, no, and there was truth in it too, in the little jokes and stuff. And you looked and said, you know, that's not bad. That's that's not bad. And um, yeah. well, this Martin well, you, and my children yeah. and I laugh about this because my ch- my ki- I have two children and who are adults now, and and they would always, who do you like best? Who do you like best? Right? Oh, and yeah. fortunately, I had one boy and one girl, so I could always say, you are my favorite daughter. You are my favorite son. You know. But it was a, it was it was like a joke. Who do you like best? You like me better than her, right? You know, like me better than him, right? And so at one point, I, I told them about Irma Bombeck's, uh, she died early, um, and she left messages, letters for her sons. And in each of those letters, she said to her each son, she said, don't tell your brothers, but I always loved you best. And uh, and then she'd go on and on pointing out their great features of why she loved them. Um, and so I told my children about that and so they they always picked up on that mom's going to write a letter saying that she loves me best you know oh well, <laughs> but i kids don't that, yes that's we the all thought of we were, these kinds of quotes that relate to us to our experiences is that yes. we can use them well the we one can, that bailed me out oh yes go ahead go ahead no no Oh, the, the bail me out there is one, and you must have seen it someplace because it's been getting around. But um, Elizabeth Stone said that each child has a line to our heart. Um, and I've always used that with my three kids and my three grandkids because one of the three grandgirls always is saying, well, who do you like better? And I tell her, I've, each of you has a line to my I love you best, but I love you know her best, and I love her best, and yeah, it's yeah. just no. You know what? It was Elizabeth Stone. I think I'm wrong. She said, "Making the decision to have a child, it's momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body." Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, gosh, you've yes. seen that. I know. Vulnerability. And Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it, I love that. You know, have you noticed trends and quotes? I mean, in preparing for this show, I was just doing a little Googling. And huh? really, seriously, I mean, quotes from women, uh, you know, rock stars and whatever, I mean, they don't have the depth, uh, or at least a lot of the ones that I saw that are just posted, don't have depth to them, uh, like the quotes that we've been talking about. Is that just what I stumbled across, or have you seen trends? No, because that's the popular culture, and the quotes they are coming from Entertainment Weekly and People and uh, TV shows and so on. And often, I guess what what bothers me, too, is they're always quoting some TV show, but we don't know who actually said that. We know the actor uh, when she said that, we know which actress said that, but we don't know who actually wrote those words, if they're any good. So it's, it, it is very much a lightning. Here's the thing. Everything, nobody's, I mean, not nobody. 
we're not reading books as we did. We don't have the newspapers that we did. We don't have investigative reporters as we did. We're kind of reduced. Sound bites are everything. And yeah. and the quotes that, that you're referring to, they, it, it's more important who said them than what was said. So I don't pick up too many of those. Now, there there are some. I think I picked up something from Carrie Fisher last week in, as a matter of fact, People or Entertainment Weekly because she said something kind of good. And and But you don't find a lot of... But she's also a writer, by the way. She's a terrific yeah. writer, and so that well, she's had a sense. depth of life experience that that you know is is yeah. pretty significant. I think yes. that that is interesting to me. That uh, some of the quotes that I have been seeing are from people who have not had a depth of life experience, and yet they're being quoted and taken seriously, and you know, and that's fine. It's um, amazing. But Look at the memoirs yeah, being yeah, written get, by young people. Right. It, it's more important you, that a Kardash, Kardashian said something yes, than what, than what she said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that does speak of our culture. What's in the future for you? I'm looking at our clock, and I could keep talking like this for hours, um, oh. but I'm looking at our clock, and I'm going, wow, we blew through almost an hour here, Rosalie, and I think we probably just barely barely scratched the surface. Barely. So I, I really, want you, if anybody's listening, please go to the quote site because it's free, and it's for you, and I want you to use it and laugh and think and so on. So quotations by women. Dot com and hey, I want to ask you, Heather. Did you mind that the site was like purple and red and blue and all that? Does that no. bother you? Because people complain. No. Okay, well, no. you know why no. I do that? Because purple to me is red plus blue, and it's. I wanted it, men and women. I didn't want. I wanted it to be indistinct in a way and then colorful. Never mind. I just thought I did. Okay, what's next for me? I've just finished writing a book. The biography of Marie Marvin, who is a French daredevil. The Chicago Tribune said she was the most incredible woman since Joan of Arc. And you know what? Ooh. That started me on a search because I said, that can't be true. I've been educated, and I've never heard of her. So somebody's having fun here. But then when I found her obituary in the New York Times, which never jokes, I realized she was real, and I spent, I've spent i spent 30-some years. Uh, I wrote a book about her, uh, her biography, in French, and that sells over in France. But I wanted to write one in English, which I've just completed. And that's what's next, and I'm excited wow, about her because... Wow, you wrote a book in French? Yes, I did. Oh, my um, gosh. So are you doing quotations in, Fr- in French, too? No, not yet. I... Nope, I, I don't think that's being asked of me at this point. Nobody's big. They don't do quotations there like we do as much. Uh-huh. And um, I first need to they're, get they're Marie going. They're more self-assured. And, they think that what they have to say is just as good as what somebody yep, else has they to say, need I to think. Look at, that's right. And they have a yeah. lot you know, Anyway, so anyway, that's what I'm doing okay. next is the biography. And by the way, just if anybody goes, well, if anybody goes to my website, rosalimaggio.com, You'll see what I'm doing, and then there's a, page, a bit on Marie there, and then you can go to my website about this woman. You will think she is gorgeous, and you will be amazed when you see all the things that made her the most incredible woman since Joan of Arc. So, Can't wait um, to read it. Rosalie, anyway. a quick final quote from you. Ah, whoa, Mary orphans or immigrants? No, no, that was just on my screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just... Well, you know what? While you're looking it up, I like to end the show with a quote, and I okay. didn't use a quote from a woman, I'm sorry, but I did find a quote that I love. It's from A.A. A. Milne. Remember Milne? The of Winnie course. Pooh Pooh. Author? Of okay. course, yes. Milne said, a quotation is a handy thing to have about, saving one the trouble of thinking for oneself, always a laborious business. 
it is perfect. That is exactly right. That's, well, and I think another reason we have quotes is because Martha Bale says, if we are told of some four-volume epic, we're apt to say, how interesting, but we never will read it unless we have both legs in traction. And so we go, <laughs> we go for the quote, which is short. Okay. And, and, of course, I can't resist another one because I'm looking and we have 20 oh, seconds left. So yeah? this is from Ambrose Bierce. Quotation, noun, the act of repeating erroneously the words of another. Oh, excellent. 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 And we have seen that frequently, haven't we, when quotes get misquoted and and yet they they go on in in perpetuity. Thank you so much, Rosalie Maggio. Wonderful website, wonderful books. Join us again next week for Three Women. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Heather.